Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to the Star Soup Kitchen Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. This is your source for information to empower you to be a positive seed for change in your community. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. I'll be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can thrive in 5D. Let's get started. Today, I am so grateful to have Reiko with us. Reiko is a long-established feng shui expert and interior designer. She blends ancient Chinese principles of space and placement with strong inspired interior design to elevate homes and offices to a place of beauty, inspiration, harmony, and abundance. Combining three decades of extensive spiritual practices with advanced training in the science of feng shui, Reiko has mastered an approach to physical space that helps clients to overcome obstacles and realize life goals. As a trained interior designer, Reiko has blended her various disciplines into a comprehensive philosophy that advocates the use of one's immediate surroundings to help manifest life dreams. Projects have spanned throughout the globe, from China to Buenos Aires, India, the Caribbean, Europe, and throughout the United States, with a special emphasis on New York, California, and the Hamptons. Reiko is a feng shui specialist certified by the American Feng Shui Institute and an interior designer trained at the Parsons School of Design. Well, that is quite a bio, Reiko. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's my honor to be on. Thank you for having me. I feel like you're really ahead of your time with the education and training that you have and that you're able to implement. Um, I feel like what you offer clients is what so many people want now. And it's amazing that you've already kind of built that, that resume and that experience offering it. Was it hard for you to blend um, interior design and feng shui when you first started? Um, I never thought I would do this. So it kind of all happened very organically. Um, I was in a very different career and, um, and I was drawn to feng shui. So, um, so it wasn't hard, but I can kind of tell you how I got there. If it, if, if you'd like to know. Yeah, um, perfect. Tell me a little I, bit about your background. Sure. In a, a, the condensed version, um, I was working for international charities and I was uh, working on a project in India and they were building a hospital and uh, we we're very excited to get started. But before we could even start the project, we needed to get the approval of the spiritual head of the village, the Brahmin priests. 
And come to find out, they practice a form of feng shui and making sure that before a building is built, it's in harmony with its environment. And in India, they call that bastu. It's slightly different, but it's the same concept as feng shui. And when I heard about that, it made so much sense, Whitney. It was like, boom, yes, this is exactly right. I, I get it and I respect that. So when I was back in New York, I went looking for somebody to teach me more just because I was so fascinated. Yeah. And that led me to feng shui, which is really a more involved, I mean, not involved, but, but more um, in-depth kind of process. And uh, I found a feng shui master and I just started practicing for myself. And then it kind of just grew from there. I was so interested. I did it for friends and family and then they saw results. And I was always very interested in design just for myself. Um, so I went back to school for interior design. And uh, and when I did that, it just all kind of came together. That is so neat how people get led to the path that they really, you know, are here to maybe serve or, um, you know, a path that where the information kind of is already lying within them. Um, so for people that haven't heard of feng shui um, and where it comes from, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, feng shui is a, a concept of arranging your space to be in harmony with your environment. And its origins go back, some people say 2,500 years, some people say 4,000 years or, or further in, um, in Asia. And it was these principles that farmers were using originally to figure out how to place their crops for the best harvest. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense. So they thought, well, if it's, if it's helping my crops, maybe it'll help my life. And then they started to create concepts for inside their homes and it just evolved and it became much more um, specific. And now it's actually, when you get into the deeper feng shui, it's based on calculations. It, it goes very deep. And it's, it can be incredibly accurate. That's, um, I had no idea that it originated from farming. That's really yes. interesting. Yes. And that makes sense that numerology essentially kind of comes into place. I feel like everything in this, in this world always goes back to math and numbers. Exactly. Does astrology play a role at all? It does actually. Um, in addition to, in a way, I've always felt feng shui is kind of astrology for your house. Yeah. You know, in the way that when you really get an astrology chart done, they take all of this detailed information about you and exactly when and where you were born. Yeah. And it creates this number calculation that tells you all of the planets and things. I feel like the advanced feng shui, not just something you get out of a book, but when you have yeah. somebody really read your house, it's like an astrology. It's like getting a, an, a whole astrology reading for the house because it goes into that much depth. Now, I've heard that there are two types of feng shui. Um, that there's like the tchotchke feng shui and then there's the real feng shui. Um, have you experienced kind of the same thing working in your field? I did, I have to say. And I don't want to disparage any kind of feng shui because yeah. I think that the concept of people having an awareness of the power of their space on their lives is important, even if it's just in little ways. Um, but when I was first starting, yes, I, I tried all types of feng shui. I was looking for what, what seemed right to me. And there was definitely one version that it felt to me like it was created more for a Western audience. It was very simplistic. You could read a book and you could start doing things. And yeah. I think that's, that's great to a point. But, um, but getting back to your astrology example, it's almost like reading your daily horoscope online versus getting an astrologer to give yes. you a full reading. So that's kind of what that one is to me. And then if you want to go deeper, you can do that. So how did you find your teacher? How did you find the first person to start working with? 
I knew one person who was kind of a friend of a friend who practiced feng shui. And so when I was looking around, I reached out to him and said, hey, do you have a book or something that you would recommend to me? And this gentleman was such a doll. He he was um, he was kind of what I would say, a feng shui master to the stars. Uh-huh. He had all of these celebrity clients and he had just gotten a big um, write up in Vogue. And he's like, I need an assistant. How soon can you start? So I all of a sudden thought, oh my gosh, okay. So I mentored with him first. And um, and that was wonderful. And he's no longer with us, but he was just a great start. And then he eventually um sent me to to train with his teacher who was wow. who was came from a whole um many, many generations of feng shui masters. A lineage. A whole lineage, yeah. Yeah, because that's where you learn like the real magic. It's, I feel like it's sometimes the things, the concepts that can't be written down. It's Mm -hmm. truly that tradition of, of that verbal education. Did that, is that how you felt when you were um, apprenticing with these um, interior design feng shui specialists, that there was information that you were getting from them that you couldn't find in books? Yes. Yes. There was certain stuff that was very clear. And I could, if I really looked, see that certain things were in books, but there was so much more of just an understanding of how to read a space that they knew from that history. So what, what should people be kind of looking for in their space or sensing to consider reaching out to someone like you and getting assistance for changing the balance or energy in their house? Well, people often reach out to me when they're feeling stuck. That's often a feeling that comes up. There's like, I just can't seem to be making any forward motion on this. Um, Or in just in general, there's like, I just feel lethargic here. I just feel low energy here. So I think we're all pretty intuitive. I think we all have a little bit of inner feng shui. So it's like, you kind of know when it's time to do something and shake things up and see if shifting the energy around can't start to move things forward. That's often when the type of thing that I get called do you, about. Yeah. Do you usually work with clients who have been in their home for a while or do people reach out to you before they've moved into a home? Yes, both. Yeah, both things. And especially people, a lot of people contact me when they're house hunting. And oh. I always say that's a great idea to do that because I do a quick like mini feng shui on the houses that they're thinking about. So much better to know ahead of time what the energy is like than to yes. buy it, get in and go, oh, there's maybe some issues here that had I known, I may have thought differently. So yeah, so a lot of people um, have me help them out as they're house hunting. That's fantastic because there are certain things that people experience in a home that they just don't reveal when they put it on the market. Um, and I, I have a friend here who grew up in a beautiful home overlooking the ocean here in Southern California. And his parents sold the house about 15 years ago, but they still track the buying and selling of the house because the house is constantly turning over. And everyone seems to be having the, the same issues with the house. And it seems to be something to do with, with the land and something deeper that's going on there. Um, but every time I see this friend of mine, I love getting the updates on if they've heard anything new about this house because it's there's clearly something going on there. And it doesn't matter who lives there. No one's getting to the root cause and is making the shift in the home that's needed in order for it to be a happy place. It just continues every few years to go back on the market. 
Oh, there's definitely some feng shui element in there that needs to be addressed. And you see it all the time, you know, the the spot with the restaurant that never stays the yes. same restaurant. It's constantly turning over. A lot of the time, there's something in that space that, like you said, has never been addressed. It doesn't mean that the space itself is bad either. It's just yeah. if if you knew what you were looking for and took the actions to shift that, um, it could actually clear it up. Have you worked with restaurants before? I have. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. And you see all kinds of things. Yeah. So when you go into the restaurant, are they hiring you before they've started designing the space before it's opened? Or are they reaching out to you because it's been open for a few years and they're, they're having problems with constantly getting customers in? Some of both. Definitely, um, oftentimes when they're starting to set things up, they want to bring me in to make sure that the flow's right, the seating, you know, the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something I get often. And sometimes what you're saying about they're just feeling like, how do we bring more people? How do we attract more? Because I think feng shui is ultimately about attraction. Mm-hmm. You're attracting something all that we are all the time. Yeah. So if you're conscious about it and say, okay, I want to attract more business into this space. What do I need to do? And there are several things that, that we could do often with the front of the space, with the lighting, with the, the door, maybe the door placement or how big it is or how it opens. Like there's a lot of small fine tuning that can be done, but the overall effect is a person sees it and says, I want to go in there. Yeah. For that attraction. Because you think about walking down the street and you can walk down the same street in New York City every day and not notice a restaurant or cafe until somebody points it out to you versus there's others that are always standing out to you and every time you pass you think god I want to go there so bad I need to make plans right that's exactly it so you're you can feel the energy when it's lit up energetically and it's drawing you in or when it's not interesting what do you are there certain things that you address first with the restaurant owner owner um, when they're looking to, to draw more people in? Well, feng shui is really on two levels. So there's the energetic that we've, we've been talking about that gets into the numerology. It's based on the exact direction the building faces, the year it was built. It's a, it's a deeper, like it's the deeper energy of the space, which is incredibly important. And then there's the more surface feng shui. And that is uh, what they call form, form school feng shui. So there's a lot of things about literally how it looks how it feels, how much light there is and and all of that. So when I go into a space, like we're talking about a restaurant that wants to attract more energy, more, more business, um, I do both. So the doing the, the, the more advanced calculations will tell me where their door is located. So the energy of your door is incredibly important in feng shui in a house or in a, in a restaurant. Um, so if you know the energy of your space and you can see that this door is in a place that's not so great for money, but if it was over here, it actually would be in a part of the building that's incredibly strong for money. That might be something a restaurant owner wants to know and might change. And they have. Um, and then, then beyond that, you can go into that more physical level of feng shui. How does it feel when I walk in? Do I want a water feature here? Cause I can, that, that draws attention and energy into a space too, or how close are the, you know, the, um, the, is the seating to the front? Do I feel comfortable when I'm sitting here? Do I feel uncomfortable? So there's a bunch of that that goes on as well. So I've always heard the saying that you never want, when you open the door into a home, you never want the staircase right in front of the door because that means the money or the energy is going to flow right out the door. Is that a myth or is that truly a a feng shui concept? 
That one is an actual feng shui concept. And and um, it's so funny because so many homes have that setup. You walk yeah. in and right in front of you is the, the staircase. It's just the way many builders build. Um, the idea is if you think of energy like water, so we want to bring energy into a space. Um, but if you think of a, of a staircase, you can just almost see like the energy spilling down like yeah. water and just running right out. So if, if you have that situation, because a lot of people do, one thing you can do is um, if there's space between the, the bottom of the stairs and your door, you can buffer it with things. Sometimes you can have like plants there towards the base of the stairs or before the door, or um, or you can carpet the stairs or have a runner on the stairs that slows the energy. Um, or if it works out, you might have a small entry table to the side that's not in the way, but you know, so there's ways you can tweak it. To, you're looking to slow the energy so it kind of stays in the house. Got it. I like that. That's an easy switch. Another kind of feng shui myth I've always heard is that you should always keep your toilet seats down because you don't want the energy, you know, constantly finding exits in different parts of your home that's not necessary. Is that another myth? Yeah, that one is a little bit more myth um, because feng shui, like we're talking about, is so ancient. Yeah. From what I was told from my feng shui master, um, some of those good feng shui tips were also about good hygiene. So back in those days, they really wanted to make sure that people kept their, yeah. their bathroom or whatever it was, water closet at the time, you know, hygienic. Um, so certain things you find as you start to really get into feng shui are a little bit myths or old wives tales or whatever you'd call them, um, while, while others are, are, are more truly energetically correct. But that one's in general, I think, always a good one. Keep your toilet seat down, keep your bathroom door closed, you know. Yeah, it just looks nicer. a little nicer and cleaner when yeah, yeah. you have guests over. Are there right. any other other myths that you have to um, squash when you start working with a new client? Well, yes, um, a lot of like you were talking about the tchotchke feng shui. Yeah. Um, the tchotchkes that you might see, say, if you go to certain places um, and you'll see things hanging and stuff, um, I'm not big on that. Uh, and and part of it is those came out of um, well-intentioned recommendations, but they've just turned into these kind of little traditional tchotchkes over the years. So so maybe um, they really did need to have, um, you know, metal in a certain area, but they decided, well, a wind chime would be good. And now you have these little wind chimes everywhere. Not that there's anything wrong with wind chimes. There's a great time and place for it, but I don't have them inside my house, you know, hanging. Um, so so what I try to do um, with interior design and feng shui is to yeah. blend good interior, good feng shui kind of more seamlessly into the interior design. So it's actually working for you, but it doesn't like stand out like, like, oh, this is, this place has been feng shui. It's just more, it looks good and it feels good. Yeah. So there isn't necessarily an awkward um, plug-in fountain in the middle of the room that makes right. no sense. Exactly. Got it. Got it. So what are, like, so let's talk about the kitchen. Um, and there's so many different shapes and layouts of kitchens. Um, what, when you walk into that space, um, what are the obstacles that you face when you're trying to create balance in a kitchen space? That's a really good question because there's so much to a kitchen. You're doing so many things there. Um, the, the main thing that I feel like there's never enough of in most kitchens is space, mm -hmm. you know, both just space to move around, counter space. I'm sure you come up against, it's like the more, the better. Yes, I agree. Everything. So, um, so some homes have that and that's amazing, but most homes don't. And so it's about how, how do you create 
effective, um, comfortable space, um, making sure there's enough room for people to pass each other easily, making sure that the chef has the cook or the chef has um, has their own has their own zone. Um, so other people aren't interfering in their process. I think that's really important too. Um, so the location of the stove is important. Um, and then lighting, lighting is incredibly important so that you can really see everything, everything's well illumined. Um, and then clutter, it's so easy to clutter the countertops, right? Between appliances and everything else you need. Um, how do you create an open feeling space, even in a small kitchen? And I think, I think decluttering is a key part of that too. I think decluttering is a key part too. I feel like I cook better in kitchens where there's nothing on the counter, because then it allows me to see, you know, I can easily put out all my produce, all my ingredients, and you're able to stay so much more focused without the clutter. Yes, that's another thing for sure. Is there a room that people want you to start with first when they reach out to you? Or is there a particular room, which is the, the root of why they're reaching out to you? Um, it's, it's not always one space, but I would say often we end up gravitating to the bedroom because a lot of people are looking for a relationship or they have one and they want to make it stronger. And how do we make this space work for both of us? And it's two people and they both might not have the same needs or, you know, there's a lot to negotiate in a bedroom. Interesting. So people reach out to you who are looking to bring more love into their life. Oh yes, I get that really? a lot. Really? And it works. I will say, I think of all the things that feng shui is good for, it's good for romance. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. So what are the changes that you are often making in a room, in a bedroom in order to shift the energy that's going to affect their actual personal life? Well, a lot of them are very basic, but they're really important. Um, where is the bed located? Is it centered on a wall in such a way that, first of all, is the bed big enough for two people? Is it going to be a nice, comfortable environment? Is it centered in such a way where you would have two bedside tables and two lamps? So there's a sense of balance and there's a sense of welcoming another person into your space. Like, you don't want to have the bed pushed up against the wall, obviously. There's no room for somebody to get in. Um, is there anything under the bed? You don't want to bring clutter and stuck energy into your relationship. Um, things under the bed is a feng shui no-no because you want to keep that energy moving, flowing easily. Um, is it is it a, an inviting space? Is it warm and welcoming or does it feel kind of cold and, and uninspired? You know, um, I think that in a bedroom, you want to feel almost like you're wrapped, almost like in a cocoon you, at night. You want to feel cozy and um, so, so the feeling of the space and, um, what else would I say? Um, not too bright, definitely no mirrors, uh, mirrors in a bedroom are not great. Although you can have one just not directly facing the bed, maybe to the side, if you need one, you know, wardrobe mirror. No, this is great. Thank goodness. I have no mirrors in the bedroom. <laughs> Going, <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, it's okay if you get a lot of sunlight in your bedroom, but you want to make sure you have then blackout shades so that you mm. or curtains so that it's it really does get dark um and that's better for your sleep um so there's a lot of that 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 is is involved and then of course when we get into the the advanced feng shui calculations that's when i can see how strong the space is for romance as well so if oh, there's something okay. we need to add so so when you get into the advanced feng shui it may show that um the house itself may be not so strong for romance but there's always a remedy and that's where feng shui gets into the five elements you know it's a remedy is always one of those five so it's water, wood, fire, earth, or metal. 
So we'll find out what it needs and then how to add it there in a, in a really nice way. And then that increases the energy for romance. Hi, I'm Chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on starseedkitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. Did you have a, did you find learning about the five elements challenging or was it easy information for you to digest? I found it very easy actually, although there is a way to do it and a way not to do it. So I didn't realize that before I studied feng shui. So mm-hmm. certain elements cancel each other out. So you want to make sure you do it in a, in a way that, that is beneficial to the person living there. So we learned about the five elements in culinary school um, and I love it, but I found it challenging. I feel like in order for me to do it, I almost have to have my little charts in front of me because there's just so much information going on um, because it all depends. How do you on use that? that? Yeah, you use it, the five elements? So yeah. it all depends on the person, the season and, um, and their current health state, because it's all about finding, helping them find balance in their body. So they could be experiencing too much of one element And so you have to help bring balance in if they're experiencing too much wind or too much heat in their body, Um, you're balancing the elements. So I feel like one of the great practitioners that helps make sense of the five elements in the body is Rebecca Wood. Um, Mm -hmm. And Rebecca Wood does, um, her specialty is face mapping. And she has some great eBooks that help you understand face masking face mapping with the five elements in the body and finding the balance. So you're not overheated or there isn't too much wind. Um, you know, it, she applies the, the elements in there, but I loved learning it. It was just confusing. Yeah. That's fascinating. I love that too. This idea of balancing the elements inside and outside. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily about the season that we're in. It's the season that your body's in and your body's always adapting and it might have just gone too far in one direction, which is why you're experiencing, you know, certain, certain dis-ease. And so it's, it's identifying that and then bringing it back into balance. Great. Yeah. Very similar to a house. I really do think that a house is kind of another layer of ourselves. It's like another body because it, it houses us. So it's kind of, I mean, it's just like kind of the next layer of, of us. So I love that idea that we're balancing elements all the way through. Yeah. And I, I've always heard the same thing about the house that it's a reflection of our consciousness. So if, if there is clutter, then there's clutter here and you can't get clarity on your day-to-day and your goals and dreams. Um, So, but I love the idea that there's the stagnancy that you feel in your life might be a reflection of the stagnancy in your home and where you're spending all your time. 
and the shifts that you might need to make there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely um, something to be said about when the home is in balance, you, it, it does impact your energy level. You know, I think of like, it's almost like getting the soil right in the earth, right? So that the plants can grow fully, like we're talking about with the beginnings of the origins of feng shui. It's like your house is that, like you want it to be healthy soil and then you feel supported, you feel the energy of that. Does that include the exterior of the house? Does that include the yard or the garage, um, the, the, the front of the house and you know whether there's plants to welcome people? Like where does the boundaries of working on someone's house end? The yard is definitely a part of it. The The more advanced feng shui is really within the building itself. But then when you get outside of the building, you get into that form school of feng shui. So it's like, um, are the trees, what's the look of and the feeling of the property in general? Are there, there um, hills or valleys in the space? And how does that impact the energy flow? trees is there some a large tree blocking the front door of the house that's going to block a certain amount of chi energy coming in so there's definitely a lot of things to look at um wires you know um electrical wires are they running in front of the house um is the house at the intersection like a t intersection so traffic has to hit that and then turn that's that's throwing a certain amount of energy at the house so those are all things that we look at too So another feng shui myth I'm curious about, I've always heard that you don't want to live at the end of a cul-de-sac because it's all that energy flowing down and then just stopping right in front of your home. It's kind of, it's kind of true. You know, it depends on the cul-de-sac. If it's a tiny little one in a tiny little town, it's not going to have that kind of rushing energy coming at it. But yes, it it really does make a difference where you are on the road. Um, So yeah, if there's energy coming right at your house over time, it does create a discomfort. It's just in the house. It's just, um, it's almost like too high a vibration of of energy in the space. So if I'm house hunting, um, where should I be looking on a street? So ideally, are you looking to find a space where you have no neighbors and it's just nature around you? Or are you trying to find a house that's in the middle of the block and not at the end of the cul-de-sac and not on a corner. Um, Like what are some, I guess, house hunting tips before someone Mm -hmm. then reaches out to you to help them confirm the, the actual address? Yeah. Some of those are right. Um, And, and, and again, it's not the same across the board because every space is a little bit different. Every neighborhood has different elements to it, but I tend to avoid corners because you're getting that energy of cars constantly turning right around where you live. It's it's kind of a cutting energy. Um, at the end of cul-de-sacs, often is not the best. Often, right in the middle of the of the road, kind of in the on the sides, is fine. Um, if you have space between neighbors, great. But a lot of people don't, so that's understandable. But is there a sense of being on top of one another, or do you feel like there's some breathing room between you and your neighbors? Is the property relatively flat? If it's sloped, is it? Um, it depends on on the slope. If it's too sloped, um, that can really be uncomfortable over time. Just it just the house may be level, but it's just there's a out of balance yeah. on the property itself. What do people do that are looking for looking for homes in New York City or um, Miami where they know they need to, their only option is really a high rise? You know, how do you manage? finding a home, a balanced, happy home when the options are just vertical. 
Yeah, I'm glad I learned and practiced this in New York City because it's so tricky. Yeah. <laughs> After that, everything else seems like there's always remedies. But New York is tough because you just got what you've got. It's usually just a box in the sky. Um, and and so how to create kind of a blissful oasis in your little piece of the world. And um, some of the things I tell people to look for when going house hunting in, in New York City is uh, the views are very important. Of course, not everybody can have amazing views, but there's somewhat open views and there's views like where you're right up against the building next door. You know, yes. how much light, how much natural light are you getting in your space? It may not be the place with the best views, but maybe it has best light. Airflow, can you get airflow in your space? Um, so those are really important. Um, and then beyond that, it's going to be more about making what's inside your home really feel good. So you walk in and you feel that sense of, uh, I'm embraced by my home and it feels like a little oasis. Does color play an important part or, you know, so I'm curious with trends right now, you know, do you see a lot of homes where it's a neutral palette? Um, and then you see homes where it's a lot of different color. How does that affect the feng shui when you are, are choosing color palettes? What is nice about feng shui is you don't have to be a color person or you don't have to go all kind of minimalist and everything is going to be white and gray. Um, you can really work with your taste with feng shui. Um, so I, I love color and I love pattern. So like that's that's how I like to design. But um, but I don't design every house like that because some people are not into it. But what's great about feng shui is you can bring in um, once you know your feng shui of your home, you can bring in the elements that are, are recommended throughout the space, like we said, water or fire or whatever, um, or you can bring in the colors that represent those. So lots of times people ask me for colors for their space. And so I'll look at the feng shui of their home and say, okay, let's say this, this office really wants water. You could have a little fountain on your desk, or you could think of blue tones for this room. Okay. And some people are into that because that's, that's oh, that's great. So I, I now know what, what my color theme is here. Um, so you can do either one with feng shui. You can really get into color by basing it on those five elements where it's needed in the home, or you can keep it super minimal and just bring in those actual elements where, where they're needed. You know, if you need stone or earth element somewhere, that might just be a beautiful crystal vase or some raw crystals in a corner yeah. and everything else is very Zen simple. That's really nice to hear. Cause I think sometimes when you think of feng shui, you think of having to bring in elements that... Um, that stick out and don't fit in your space, but you know, you hear you need to draw in to create balance. Um, so it's nice to hear that there's a little more flexibility to creating that space. Definitely. Definitely. And that's why I think I, I gravitated to interior design because all I had seen in feng shui was places that just it just felt tacky, honestly. Yes. And it's like, wait, it can be feng shui, but actually be elegant and modern and sophisticated and whatever you want it to be. So there's always a way. And that's where I think the interior design piece is important to help people integrate it into their lives in a way that they like. So what type of projects are you working on right now? Are you working on homes or offices or businesses? Mostly residential, mostly homes. Um, and I'm, um, I'm working right now, speaking of color, I'm working on a project in London for a client who's building a new home and well, actually she's just massively renovating a very old home. <laughs> um, and so that's a lot of fun color and, you know, just getting very, um, very involved with the design on that one. That's a lot of fun. I haven't done um, commercial in a while. And I'm wondering a little bit if it's also about the pandemic, like just, you know, people aren't going to offices 
was much more during COVID. It was all about how do I create a home office here, like in my yeah. house? How do I make it work? How do I give it good energy? And uh, yeah, everything shifted. Are you doing any projects for yourself personally? How often do you kind of turn around to your home and um, make changes? constantly, which is why I like peel and stick wallpaper. <laughs> I'm already tired of this. <laughs> Not that long ago. I'm like, oh, that was fun for a while. Now I want to like go modern. Now it's fun. You know, I'm always, I'm sure like you with yeah. food, you're always experimenting and trying new things and, and just playing with, with what you do. Cause it's so much fun. Well, I think like for me, I get into, I find something I like and I do it a lot for a few months. And then it's like, not anymore. And I need to shift and find something new to work on. And then maybe I'll revisit that in like two or three years. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So exactly. I I keep it fresh. Yeah. But I feel like that's also my challenge when I think about my home is I think about a look that I really want and that would be great. And then six months later, I'm like, no, need to go a different direction. That's too trendy. That's too this or that. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I wouldn't have been a good interior designer. <laughs> well, and also you don't have to, I, I I think there's a lot to be said for like having basics in your life that you really like, you know, like just yeah. a beautiful sofa that's in a neutral color, things like that, that you really love and they're comfortable, whatever. And then you just change up accessories. You know, that's the easiest way to go between lamps and rugs and pillows and artwork and things. You can always do that and create a very fresh new look, but not have to renovate your house. You do remote sessions with people, right? I do. Yeah. I do them for people all over the world. Yeah. So what's, can you um, walk us through what that's like? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really great. And I'm so happy that I, I really worked hard on um, creating my own kind of technology to get a very accurate feng shui reading because it goes way beyond just getting a Google Earth of somebody's house on the other side of the world. There's certain things I had to do, including getting a certain um, technology that NASA uses too to make sure I get the the calculations just right. But because I can do that, people just sign up and go to my website and and get us log on for a session. Um, and then I send them a questionnaire and tell them the things I need they can upload. And then we do a session. And so I have all the information I need to do my advanced feng shui. They've sent me pictures. Um, And then we do a Zoom call like this. And I walk them through the energies in every part of their home and give them my recommendations. That's amazing. And then how much of the information do you need about them as the homeowner or the renter in order to affect the space? So does their personal numerology or birthday Um, what information about them can actually affect the space as well, if at all? Yeah, it does. And I do need that information. I get their their birthday information. And from that, I can find out their personal feng shui. So we all have that based on our birthdays. And then I can compare their feng shui to their home's feng shui and see if they're a match. And if they're not, that's okay. Um, But then there's certain things I'd recommend they do in their space to make sure that they're very comfortable and supported. How do people find your work and schedule a remote session with you? Um, They can just go onto my website, Reiko Design, R-E-I-K-O design.com. Perfect. Well, I know your work as a feng shui expert and interior designer is very much supported by kind of your own personal spiritual practice, and then just your own curiosity um, and joy of learning. Is there anything right now that you're really into learning um, or you're really curious about? Mm, That's a great question. 
Um, well, one thing I was thinking of you <laughs> and coming on this show and thinking of something that's been um, a new experience for me in my learning. About a year ago, I stopped sugar and flour mm-hmm. and caffeine. And when I got over the detox of that, yeah. um, it's like it's like opened my eyes to a whole new level of health and energy. And it's it's amazing. So I'm really aware of the importance of physical wellness on another level. That's really impressive with the caffeine detox. I do that probably twice a year. And within two weeks, my skin looks completely different. You, you didn't even know that there was a shift you needed to take. And then two weeks later, you look in the mirror. Yeah. Like the glow like is back. Facial, free <laughs> facial, you know, you spent less money because you stopped buying coffee or, or making your tea. And it's really impressive. It's amazing. It's amazing. I didn't plan on doing that, but I was just like, I have to. I just, I didn't feel good knowing that I was definitely, I had a problem. I couldn't not have coffee every day. And um, I just feel free of that, which is great. That's really impressive. Did you replace it with anything? Not really. I mean, I have certain teas that I like, herbal teas that I like. Um, so that's, I guess that's probably what I what I do when I want that warm, mm-hmm. that warm feeling inside. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same. I have the lineup of the herbal teas as I go yeah. through my phases of green tea, you know, Americanos, and then nothing at all. <laughs> so good great. for you for making it a solid year. That's really impressive. Appreciate that. I'm sure your body is rewarding you in many ways with lots of clarity and all sorts of good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. I love what you're up to. And I think um, there's such a natural connection between what we're both doing with creating balance inside and outside. Absolutely. Because you need to be able to come home at the end of your day and uh, feel safe and comfortable. Um, and you should be able to get re-energized in your home, not lose energy when you're home. Um, so what you shared today, I'm really going to take to heart and figure out the spaces that I need shifted um, so I can have a home that's more supportive. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you found it helpful. And thanks so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. So the best place for people to get in contact with you is raycodesign.com. Yes. And what I like to do when I wrap up my my podcast interviews is for the guests to um, share maybe one thing that um, the listener can consider bringing into their life to improve their health and well-being. Is there one thing um, you think we should all consider doing to our home to uplift our space? Mm. I would say this. I feel that it's very important to connect your home to your dreams and your vision. So I would say, think of one thing that you want in your life. Yeah. Just think of one thing in particular that's really feeling strongly that you want in your life right now. And you can just really feel it, connect with that feeling of it, and then look around your space and ask, is this space supporting me in in attracting that thing and having that thing? And if not, that's okay. Is there one small shift I can make? Just one small thing I can do today to help me feel more like my home is a reflection of that thing that I want. That is huge. Thank you. Sure. That's most one of the most powerful things I've heard in a long time is to actually stand in the space and envision what you really want it to be connected to your dreams. That's ultimately, I think, what feng shui can do is help us create a space that is a reflection of, of the best of who we are and what we want in our lives and help us attract that. Thank you. 
I'm going to do that. I have homework this weekend. (laughs) Let me know how it goes. I, I will, because you'll be hearing from me because we need a little, a little love in some of these spaces. So I'll get in touch with you. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, again, if you want to learn more about Reiko, please visit her website at ReikoDesign.com. Thank you so much, Whitney. All right. Thank you. Be well. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Starseed Kitchen podcast. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit our website at StarseedKitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my High Vibration Foods Organic Spices, which you can purchase on StarseedKitchen.com. And you can find me and follow along on my cooking adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.